0: I'm Lizzie Mathis, and welcome to the Cool Mom Code Podcast, where motherhood is your key card to the coolest spot in town. Today, we're sitting down with my bestie, Jessica Alba. Jess and I go way back. She was one of my very first mom friends here in LA. Jessica, of course, as you know, is an actress, entrepreneur, founder, and CFO of The Honest Company, and... my co-host of Honest Renovations. In this episode, we're going into our spiritual journeys, family traditions, and their impact on parenting styles, taboo mom talk, the importance of individual growth in your relationships, and oh, so much more, y'all. Hello, Jessica. Jessica. Hi, Lizzie. How are you? I'm good. I want to jump right in with you because I think that you are (laughs) such a fascinating person. Frustrating? Um, You meant frustrating person. (laughs) Fascinating, frustrating. I am I frustrating? I want to know why I'm frustrating. (laughs) You know why you're frustrating? Tell me. Because you are, unfortunately... Correct a lot, and that is very frustrating to the people who are close to you who have opinions and who bicker with you and banter. But you're not actually frustrating, you're actually real talk, though. Honestly, I respect you a lot, and I've learned so much from you. But let's give some context into who we are and how we even know each other you know if anyone who follows me and anyone who knows us together knows that we do quite a bit together and we have some really actually fun stuff coming up um we have a design show coming out and we are focused on parents and their spaces and Interesting enough. It's a show that we're super excited about. For families. To make over the spaces of families um, who are experiencing uh, a huge transition, which, you know, parenthood is a huge transition. Okay, so how we know each other, though. So I think it's very interesting that Jess and I met as mom friends. And we met in preschool. We met in preschool. And I think what's interesting about that is because you, you do meet a lot of parents when your kids first go to school. True why? It's interesting because I don't think either Jess or I are very mom friend people. I think that's the interesting part about it.
1: And we don't really make friends so in those agree. types of environments.
0: This is true, which I think was kind of like interesting that we connected. Which is probably why we liked each other. It's probably why, even though i didn't know her she didn't know me i mean i, I knew, think i only I have one
1: other friend that you met in preschool i met no at a kid's school
0: that you're still friends with. i'm still
1: friends with mm-hmm.
0: isn't that crazy though mm-hmm. jess and i also have a studio that um we basically do a lot of content out of and a production company that we share which has made us a lot closer as well,
1: I feel like. Now we spent we're... a lot of time together.
0: <laughs> now we know each other on so many multitudes of levels. We've been to
1: the World Crystal Expo in Tucson, oh my Arizona. God. <laughs>
0: that was a trip, boy, <laughs> let me tell you. Jess basically convinced me to go with her yeah, to it was a good idea. the gym
1: show in Tucson, Because it was, a, Tucson, it was Arizona. a time in your life that you needed to get away and not go right into being all the things all
0: the things that we
1: are and so I wanted to you to not have to do that and this yeah. was a very light way to pull you away from those responsibilities I
0: totally agree and to be honest with you it was a really hard time in my life which I'm still actually going through my mom passed away and um, we had to take her back to my hometown of Michigan to do the funeral and the memorial, and. It was very, very obviously stressful. It was emotional. It was so many things just convinced me to go to this gym therapy show and also, I feel like you've also been really instrumental in helping me It wasn't me therapy,
1: heal. but we did
0: have therapy. Yeah.
1: It was a gem show. It was a gym show, but it kind like of felt like therapy. was therapy because I just wanted you to be able to be in a hotel room and you can just be there if you wanted to, or you could just walk around and we can look at crystals.
0: It was fascinating though. I it mean, was. to be honest with you, I've never been into crystals necessarily in my life and I really didn't know much about them. All right. So obviously I met you as a mom. Right. So I didn't really know you prior to being a mom ever. Uh, how i known you has. Well, been I didn't really have that many friends before. Insurance.
1: Oh, really? I became a mom. No, because I worked all the time. Mm. And so I think I had two weeks off from age, certainly age seven, 18 on. Mm-hmm. I had two weeks off a year. I, I like wouldn't take any holidays off. My, I never like, like really, my birthday came and went. I, Nothing was really as important as work Mm. until I had honor.
0: And so how did that change you, though, as a person?
1: It was weird because I actually never lived in one place for that long. I had a very, like, nomadic life. And so it was the first time I stayed in one place for, like, a full year. It was weird.
0: I feel like that's interesting because your lifestyle prior to having a family i feel like it was kind of similar to me too right like i remember i used to be on the road so much i used to travel like three times a week before i had kids and when i had nema who's my oldest i feel like i kind of dove into this space because that's what you did i mean i also miscarried before nema so i also was very much like i don't know i transformed into this like it's all about motherhood for me. Like, Nima's the only one that mattered. Like, everything else in the world could, like, eat one. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. Like, I just was about this kid. Yeah, the priorities shifted. The priority sure. shifted, but I feel like I lost a lot of who I was. I'm not going to lie. I um, As much as I love being a mom, I feel like I just lost a lot of what made me happy, mm-hmm about just being a woman and just being me. Mm -hmm. And so do you feel like, although, you know, honor might have settled you, right? Because you were used to traveling and kind of being out and about so much. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you lost a little bit of yourself or no?
1: No, it's weird. I actually feel like I found myself as a mom. I felt more ownership over myself. I felt more connected. I think I was always searching for a home, prior to. That's why it was no big deal to not commit too much to anything because nothing ever really felt right. And I think when I had Honor, things started to come together in a way that felt right, like a home. Like the thing that I kind of, I think I was always looking for. I think when it comes to the connection though, like the hormone thing and feeling connected to your body, because it is like a hostile takeover. It's like an (laughs) alien is like, you know.
0: It's so, it's so, it's so much like a hostile takeover. Yeah. That's what it is. You right. You you don't. I, don't get me wrong. I had great pregnancies,
1: so I'm. You not did the have one great pregnancies. I had great
0: pregnancies, and I would
1: say I had very, very. I was also very fortunate, but even so, mm-hmm. my body was defying me on a daily basis. Yeah, I think when you're also when you're so used to being in control, there was something about like being so out of control and just sort of like releasing to what. It's just supposed to happen. So that was something that I really – I embraced and I liked. And also I slept. It was like the first time I ever slept in my life. You slept during pregnancy? Uh-huh. Because you actually have um, – there's a hormone, a relaxing hormone that your body releases naturally. And I was really calm and I slept for the first time. I mean, not at the end. You know, you pee all the time. But <laughs> I just felt really at peace, tired and at peace mm-hmm. and –
0: Listen, I think there's a certain connection, right,
1: that you but get. But hormonally, it was weird. Yeah, that you get during
0: pregnancy for sure. After is – is, is It took
1: me like a good year to feel – It
0: took me two. All right again. It took me two years easily. With the first one, it With took the me the first one, years. it took me a good year. By far. Year. I don't know. I think the connection we have with our kids and how it just changes our perspective on things. Like for you, you said, you know, it finally brought, you brought peace.
1: You found a home, you know. Did you feel like it made you
0: more focused because Mm -hmm. honor was your inspiration
1: for Honest? I I don't know if it made me more focused, but it certainly allowed me to apply my drive into something that felt more meaningful. A way to give back. Yeah, it's like I thought about, my time, you know, when you have a a child, it was the first time I really felt mortality. Like I felt like life and death is, it's like this close. Mm-hmm. And that experience just feels so raw and real and fragile. And so maybe I took my life for granted before a little bit. Mm. And maybe I really felt how fragile life is. And it's like, we're not going to be here forever. What do I want to do with it? When I had the idea that I could do something that can make the world better, there really was nothing that could compare to that to sort of steer me off that course. It took me three and a half years to figure it out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm relentless.
0: It's interesting that you say that new life is what kind of showed you the snap of a finger between life and death, right, Mm -hmm. immortality. For me, it was death. Really? For me, it wasn't until my mom passed that I realized, like, wow, there is this really, really fine line between life and death. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that, like, giving birth and bringing life into the world for you was Mm -hmm. that moment. And for me, literally not until, like, a couple months ago Mm -hmm. did I kind of even begin to realize how thin that line was Mm -hmm. and how it can really shift your perspective on life Mm -hmm. right your experiences
1: yeah everyone has their own like movie playing in their head and their truth is their truth right it's interesting they say in like kind of the first thing you learn in couples therapy or any therapy that you do with anyone is just you learn pretty quickly that you can go through the exact same experience but the story is so different for each individual, depending on which character you are in the play, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: I think the biggest thing with me and Issa, Issa's my husband, um, we've been married for 13 years. I think the biggest thing for us of recent is just that like we have conversations or experiences or disagreements and we are saying totally different things. We both have Well, The same words. Same words.
1: Opposite meaning.
0: Opposite meanings. Yeah, it's what. For me, the struggle is how do you grow in a relationship together, but also independently where you're still growing as an individual. That's the struggle for me. That is the that's where I'm trying to find. 18 years, you and Cash have been together. Mm -hmm. And you you guys are one of these examples, right? Where you are making it work in a an industry, and in a place where they don't highlight it or promote it, right? They don't really do that in in society. In society, period. Period. 1,000%. Especially 50%
1: of marriages end in divorce. But I also think that, like, I don't know if you need to care. (laughs) I don't. I don't think it matters. That's the tip.
0: That's the tip, ladies and gentlemen. Just don't care.
1: I don't think you have to care about what society wants to say about who you should be. And I think everybody should just live their truth. How and do you I th- do that in marriage? I think if you have the ability to throw away any preconceived ideas about what it is, and you're just living in the truth of the moment, and you don't feel like you're limiting yourself or making yourself small or dimming your light to fit inside of someone else's box.
0: Mm. There's so much history there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, You're talking 18 years for you guys. Mm -hmm. There's so much history. Mm -hmm. You've grown up together in so many ways. Mm -hmm. You've become parents together. Mm -hmm. You've been you started businesses together. Mm -hmm. You have you know had experiences. Several businesses. (laughs) Yeah. You and Cash both have successful separate businesses. (laughs) Um you guys have three children who Mm -hmm. are different ages, 14. Yeah, they are different. Four. Like, mm-hmm. these are different age groups and categories. Mm-hmm. And plus, you guys are, you know, you guys are still very happily married. Is that you and Cash are just, like, great communicators? Is that you guys give each other space to kind of do your thing when necessary? Is it that you plan and make it a point to come together when necessary?
1: You know, I don't know. What is I it? used to say how we got through it was you know, communicating, like, over-communicating over, over communicating or communicating because, like, when you let things fester, that's always, like, mm-hmm. I think that was one of the first lessons I learned. I think because I was always afraid that it was going to be, like, sometimes you can just, like, speak your truth and you, like, there's just facts and you can, like, find your way back to each other or not and you can decide that you want to do it or not. And the sign is is the person showing up for you or not and it's just it is what it is and if they don't have an interest in showing up in the way that you need them to then that's what that is and if they do then that's what that is and you just kind of let things happen naturally and stay optimistic and try to come at everything with the best of intentions it's almost like easy to kind of tally up all the wrongs right and you can have like a long laundry list of when this happened or when that happened. So if you can just live in this space of like love and compassion and vulnerability, I think you could always figure out a way to show up. You said, decide. Mm-hmm. Like you have to decide. Oh, I, yeah.
0: I think that for each person, right? Like I think you gotta decide. Mm-hmm. Do you want it? do you not do you want like you have to decide? And then coming in, I love the whole coming in positive. Intention.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Come in with positive intention. Now, that's not always easy to do, I will say. When you are so irritated, when you are at your peak, for me and Issa, he gets, he can push a button that no one else on earth can push. Until he can't anymore. Until he can't. And, and that's then, what you're saying. You're saying don't give that power.
1: And then it doesn't matter. Then you're just like, and then when that doesn't work, then what? Because you kind of stay in sort of like a certain vibration when you allow those patterns to sort of permeate and keep you there. And then you become stagnant, right? But if you sort of break away from those normal patterns, I do this and you do that. And you just keep doing that. There's no growth. But if you can figure out how to like evolve from that, where those things don't matter as much you don't hold on to them the same way or react to them the same way and you release it, then you're growing and changing and then they're going to look for different tactics to try and get your attention because that's probably all they're, he's trying to do.
0: Right now, in this moment, I see such like this journey you're on. I just think it's phenomenal to see and I think the beauty in it is that you really are trying on this journey to bring in also the people you love the most because you want to see them grow so much too. You're like, look, I can't be here by myself. Y'all gonna have to grow too or get left behind. So tell me about this spiritual journey you're on right now. And how did it start? Or is the space you're in now because personal growth is so important to you?
1: it's so important to
0: show up that way or
1: or it always has been. I think that I've always been on a journey. I think that it manifests in different ways. The personal growth when I was 11, 12 was different than the personal growth growth at 17 or I've always been really passionate about spiritually evolving since I could remember like (laughs) four. <laughs> and I've always questioned the world around me and questioned my place in the world. I think because maybe because I never felt like I was comfortable or something. And I was looking for something that felt like my home, even though I was born into a family, obviously, it just, I don't know, there's something that didn't sit well, or didn't feel right. I felt like a stranger. And so this is just the next stage, I guess, of the journey. What feels different about this part of the journey? A friend of mine got sick, and she has small kids. And I think just thinking about leaving my kids, like, what would I want to leave them with? Like, what else are we going to leave this world with?
0: Do you feel like this journey that you're on right now, do you feel like it's making you become, I don't want to say a better person, because that's almost obvious, but do you feel like it's bringing something to you that you wish you had had earlier? Or do you feel like the timing right now is the timing where it's supposed to be? You know, I used to
1: pray a lot for joy Mm. because I didn't experience a lot of joy when I was younger. And I was always so envious of kids that had that like, like unbridled joy. And I think that I'm hoping that it will get me to a place where I can experience more joy. Mm -hmm. Do you
0: feel like this journey is helping you become or bring that um, joy more to your kids' lives? Or like helping Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? Probably. Making space for for it. Yeah, making space for them to actually have that in their childhood that you didn't have. 100%. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I definitely see how a lot of my choices – are to set them up to be compassionate, happy, empathetic people. I think I was misunderstood most of my life because I'm pretty straightforward and I can be quite non-flowery with my word choices. (laughs) Cut out the sugar. Yeah.
0: But I disagree with that. I actually disagree with that. As your friend, I've seen you, as your friend and business, you know, Partner in certain areas of your business. I feel like I've seen you in much different spaces. I, I feel like um,
1: I think I've evolved.
0: You have, but from even in, from, even from jump, I feel like you have evolved. But I feel like you know how to code it when you have to. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like you know your audience. I'm also learning how to coax mm. or coat mm-hmm. because my intentions are usually right. It's just the way that the delivery is can be a little bit intense, but I'm passionate, and so it's hard to, like, squash the passion. But it's also kind of the thing that ma- that's, like, my thing, right? I'm eccentric. I'm not, like, a typical person. And I think I used to feel shame about that or something, but now I don't. Do you feel like the
0: way you were raised has impacted how you are choosing to raise your kids? 100%. So what about you in terms of how you bring any of those kind of experiences from your childhood into the way you're raising your kids now? I mean,
1: or choosing not to. I mean, I think I learned a lot about the type of environment I wanted to raise them in to thrive. Mm. And I think a lot of the parenting I got was, this is just what you do. And it's really about fitting inside of a mold or what's expected of you. And almost nobody wanted to stand out. It was like, how can you assimilate and blend in as much as possible? So it was like, don't ask questions, keep your head down and be grateful that you're here kind of thing. Mm. And so that sort of like permeated into everything. And I just wasn't into it. I didn't care about social structures um, and hierarchies that weren't representative of me. And I, I identified as Mexican, uh, Mexican American, I guess. With people who are actually from Mexico, will be like, "Yay, Mexican!" <laughs> but in in this country, I, I identified as Mexican, and like there just weren't a lot of us in leadership roles in anywhere, right? in school in in government, mm-hmm. in business and entertainment and yeah. anywhere. And so I don't know. I was just like, why? I felt like I deserved to be there just as much as anyone else. And I knew there were other people that weren't white dudes mm-hmm. that also deserved to be, treated with dignity and fairness and they just weren't there and so i just questioned the world around me from day one and my family really felt like it was problematic to question things and they were like just kind of go with the flow and keep your head down and i think a lot of that comes from like assimilation you know they grew up in a very racist california my grandparents and And then even my dad, until he was like five, it was still segregated. And so they probably are, you know, wearing the trauma of their history. And I don't know, I I wasn't raised with that same ideas or notions that I had to fight against. So for me, I just came in and I was just like, well, where are we? Why Women are 50% of the population. Where are we? Mm -hmm. You know, I see a lot of different ethnicities all around me. Why aren't they outside of... My sort of like playground or, Mm -hmm. you know, my dad was in the military and so there's a lot of mixed families, Mm -hmm. a lot of families from a lot of different places and we all were on equal footing. And then when we got out of the military, it was like, what's going on here? You know, I went to like a super white suburb (laughs) in California Mm -hmm. and my grandparents just like kept their head down, yeah, you know, and kept it moving. Your family
0: now is basically United Nations. <laughs> and I don't know if people really realize what you've kind of created even within your own home. You have such a mixed family now. Mm-hmm. You really do. And coming from a background in a space where you feel like that it really wasn't celebrated. Like you weren't in a
1: space where people celebrated. No, they didn't celebrate being any person of color. And mm-hmm. it was all really around trying to fit into white civil society Mm -hmm. and what it means to be civil and all of that. And I just, I don't know, I just, I just didn't, I wasn't into it. And so what I loved about working uh, when I was young and, and I begged my parents to let me try to get a job, to work, I knew I would be able to travel and see things. And I think I was trying to find my, my tribe or like what felt, More like home because it felt weird, kind of. So how do you do it with your kids? How do you celebrate it? I talked to them about it. I talked to them about, you know, I definitely had to find my way into a connection with my lineage, my history. And I love the beauty of indigenous people in Mexico. My grandfather is like probably 100% because my dad's 50 and I'm, you know, like 23%. And so I just like have always been curious and drawn to it, but then now I'm like, oh, maybe it's because there's something deeper in there, right? You're also a history buff though.
0: You also I are. I just like, like to you learn, you know. History. And then
1: also, yeah, the conquistadors came and everybody speaks Spanish now and so they want to call us and identify us as Hispanic. But it's like right the language of the people that basically tore our communities apart and great. All right. And that's fine. That's the unifying identity, I guess. But there's something about the truth of like who we originally were and the choices that a lot of our ancestors weren't afforded mm-hmm. and were put in a lot of terrible and compromising situations and they survived through us, right? Mm-hmm. Through their kids and grandkids and grandkids and so on and so forth. So I don't know. There's something about being able to acknowledge that and understand that. And and I put in my foyer photos of our family on Cash's side, on my side. And my mom's white. Her father's from Denmark, and her mother has a really, really long history in the United States on her mother's side. And, you know, she has a totally different experience in America, right, um, than my dad. Mm Mm-hmm. And just also appreciating her experience and what that must have been like. And, you know, she grew up without a dad who, a girl in the 60s and 70s and was raised by three older women. That was also pretty unconventional and different, Mm -hmm. moving around a lot. And, you know, everybody has their truth of what felt hard or painful for them. And so I tried to just sort of like give context and understanding to my kids so they can have compassion and empathy and not just see a book by its cover. And so I do have photos of our family from both sides on the walls in the foyer. Our relatives are with us all the time. And it goes back like two, three generations even. I mean, it's pretty powerful. I mean, that wall. The wall is cool. And they get to see as much as we could capture. Mm Mm-hmm. Everything that got all the the people and our ancestors that were part of their who they are and the story. What I love about
0: it, I think, is that you've really made it quite a focal piece in your home. You know, yeah. I mean it's in like the main hallway of it your is. home. And right I New think Walken. that I love the fact that your kids and whoever really even comes into the house can ask questions. You know, even Hayes is four now. So, you know, yeah. I'm sure he's, he, he's he has he he does he ask so many questions. <laughs> he does.
1: But I think it's been there even ever since I've known you in, in every that place have That was the first lived. thing yeah. that I that I did, I would say that as a mom, my mom thing. <laughs> um as I wanted my kid to have that context and understanding. My family, they were really big on like celebrations, but like everything was a celebration, <laughs> so like I felt like every weekend it was somebody's birthday or a graduation or some milestone that we were celebrating or it was a national holiday basically any reason to like get together have a barbecue (laughs) have a potluck it was always a potluck of some sort and that's what it's about guitars and singing and playing games and having fun you know they always loved a singing and but that's what it's about
0: I mean if you really think about it that is what it's about and girl I don't know what you're talking about though you still celebrate everything you guys are still the family that like you know you will you make it a point to make sure that you know your kids feel celebrated your that different things that happen you guys bring in family and friends and your closest people to
1: feel celebrated like that is still a part of like yeah that that I would say I definitely got from my family yeah um, but i I think on the flip side, I really leaned more into who we are and where we come from, and gave a little a lot more of that context to my kids, yeah, than maybe I was raised with
0: i guess the the thing I really want to just kind of like ask just before we sign off here is. <laughs> one thing I'm really happy about is that you've had kids before me. So like, although we have kids that are the same ages, you also have an older child before me. Mm-hmm. Honor is 14. Mm-hmm. She is officially a teenager. She's officially a high schooler now. Yeah, and so the fact awful. that you have a high school, a middle school and mm-hmm. soon to be kindergarten, elementary school, mm-hmm. you are really kind of like crossing. Well, you you're in three do, very no, separate. No. Like,
1: yes, they're all in different stages. So how do you do that? How do how you, do you how do you that? mom different stages? I don't know. I just approach it like they're human beings, and like that's I try good. to meet them where they're at, and I try to not put too much of my. It, it, that's hard for me because I just want to like speed them up to. <laughs> understanding all the, all the mistakes that i made and learned yeah from and you know they have to go through some of those experiences themselves in order to learn the lesson in their way and so i struggle with that but they're all at such different it's exhausting <laughs> uh-uh. they're all at such different places I
0: mean, mine is exhausting and and I'm all of mine are 3 years apart and it's exhausting
1: you know i think what feels so scary is anything that you haven't been through and this is in life right it's in relationships it's a friendship or work anything that feels two or three steps ahead of where you're at mm-hmm. feels daunting
0: no, let me tell you specifically what feels daunting. Talking about sex feels daunting. Yeah. Talking about boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever feels daunting. It does because it, you're
1: not you haven't you haven't stepped through the two to three stages that you get to before you talk about it. So once you've gone through those couple of stages, it they almost prepare you for that next level. You don't want them to not be armed with the right information. True. Because the kids whose parents are most in denial of the fact that their children are beings in the world experiencing things are usually the most troubled, even with parents who have the best of intentions. Oh my God, I'm afraid that's going to be me. It can <laughs> be you, but that also might be part of your lesson, right? That's what you choose. I'm afraid sure or you can just say like it's going to happen and you want your kids to be you want them to thrive and you want them to be good and you and you don't want them to put themselves in situations where they make what they could feel like permanent mistakes is
0: that just like a um after dinner conversation or is that like a go out for ice cream conversation it's like an all day just like continuous
1: it's a continuous thing it's like they're not ready for like a 17-year-old conversation about sex when they're 11, Mm -hmm. right? When their friend is showing them porn on their phone at school, right? And they're like so embarrassed and they don't know what they watched, but they know it was bad. And you have to explain how kids have different rules than you and that so I was, I'm was i real with my kids about it. I'm like, don't look up stuff that you will never be able to not know.
0: You Yeah, we
1: I know that about you. And this I'm was, like, that's terrible news. Yes, that's terrible. That is terrible. a nightmare that you didn't even know that you never needed do to you, have. Do you feel like open communication
0: with your kids has been your kind of like way for them to always come to you and be comfortable talking yeah, to you? Yeah, and
1: also like I... I say to them, what do you think your punishment should be? (laughs) You do. What would you do if you were me? Then it's not, I hate you. It's more of like, I get it. Because now I have to think about, if I was in your shoes, Mm. how I might feel about this. And even though they're not adults, it just forces them to think about it through another angle.
0: Think outside of themselves. Yeah. Which is... Hard for many Compassion, people, let alone kids. and empathy. Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: it's uncomfortable. Of course it's uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable talking about it with anybody. I get shy about certain things, but if you don't talk about it and you deny it, I think it's worse. Because you also have an attachment to them as being these little tiny babies. Did your mom have a sex talk with you? Or dad? Nope.
0: Yeah. I never Not had a sex close. talk. Yeah. No, I, I, I I never got a sex talk. I got to like high school, and it was like I don't know. It was very, it was very. I don't know. My mom would come to me. and She'd be like, "Girl, just make sure you test it out before
1: you marry." I'm like, "What?" By like, the it was way, like, I wish, so, I wish my mom I'm said like, that. Mom, no, we're not doing this. You, Mine you're was not all about allowed. hell and damnation, and you're, you're going not, to hell, and you have to see, marry the first person. And I'm like, "You guys don't even go to church." I don't know. For some reason, about? I
0: almost rather the hell and damnation than the other. <laughs> I was like, "Yo, mom, we're cool, but we ain't that cool." Like, stop. Sometimes I, I felt like you know I've always had a really close relationship with my mom, but I will say that she was very like (laughs) she was very open but we never had she didn't want
1: you to be miserable that conversation
0: i think she had learned a lot she had learned a lot from being a single mom and you know where where that took her Mm -hmm. and so yeah she was was very open good for her (laughs) good for her (laughs) but i was like damn ma, this this is too much for me i can't handle this right now (laughs) all right cool I think that, you know, you're fascinating. I think that you do? Yes, I really what? do. Thank you for having this conversation with us. Thank you for being open and honest. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica for Thank coming. You, Okay, Cool Mom crew, I'm Lizzie Mathis, and you've been listening to the Cool Mom Code Podcast, where motherhood is your key card to the coolest spot in town. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with my homegirl, Jessica Alba. Stick around and subscribe for our latest episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't miss a beat.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.